We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here. Every Wednesday, I'm going to have a different person from the fantasy football community joining me as my uh, guest host, our co-host, if you will. Uh, and for this month, uh, our sponsor, by the way, is Dynasty Owner. We appreciate them for uh, their sponsorship and also a company called Fandraft we'll talk about a little bit, too. Uh, my guest, though, today is a good friend of mine, good Good, been a friend of Rotowire and to the fantasy football community for a long time. Tom Kessenick from the uh, NFFC. Tom, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. I am I guest or a co-host because I think there's like a pay increase from co-host, right? Sure. Uh, you can you can send it send an invoice. Uh, send an invoice. All right. Yeah. Uh, do I send it to, to send it to you or to Shanky? Shanky, definitely. All right. Got definitely it. not me. I'm not liquid enough. Shanky, he's he's Mr. Moneybag, so have him. Got it. Um. Yeah, so uh, it's we, we congratulations. You got to exhale after a mad rush the last couple of weeks, signing up all these baseball leagues for the NFBC. Sold out the main event and then some. You added like one extra league on top of that. 
And congrats on that because I know you were uh, you guys were worried, you know, like are people going to play uh, with this sprint season? But you pulled it off. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, when when Greg, Derek, and I sat down, I, I think it was the end of June, somewhere on there, to kind of map out our budget and our plan for everything. It was all. I mean, none of us had a clue, right? I mean, we're all, we were right. optimistic. We hoped. But we didn't have any idea. That's why we, with the Rotowire Online Championship, we kind of, at first we talked about, well, what about 800 teams? They're like, geez, 800 teams in 21 days? That feels pretty, with a shortened season, that feels pretty aggressive. And we ended up getting 960, which was the max number. We had budgeted 600. We got 360 more teams. And the main event, like you said, went over. It was just, it was amazing. I mean, I think what we found out was nobody likes the 60 game season. I don't think there's anybody in the fantasy community that likes this or wanted it or applauded it, but we all love baseball and we want baseball and we want to be able to, while we're watching baseball root for our teams, you know, and have some skin in the game or whatever it is. And that's what we saw was a lot of people who were invested in the game and certainly there was a lot of support for us from, from our NFBC community. We, we absolutely appreciate that. It means a great deal. But I think ultimately what we saw was this is a love of the game. It's a love of season-long sports, season-long yep. baseball. And that's what translated. That's what we saw for three weeks. Yeah. If this is what life's going to give us, okay, well, we'll watch the heck out of it. And I've, I've read that the ratings for like, TV, like the televised games are like through the roof. Because uh, people have been missing this, and you know, especially yeah. during this pandemic, when you've taken away every option from us, well, of course, I'm going to watch the heck out of it once it's on, uh, and that's that was what happened here. So, yeah, uh, very, uh, yeah, it, yeah, excited about that. The other thing I've noticed is people started their football drafts a little earlier. At least that's my impression. Yeah. Is that has that been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our numbers for for the NFFC are through the roof. We're on a record pace for everything. And there's no question uh, the quarantining and people being at home more has impacted that. I think people I think a lot of people are bored. Right. And we Mm -hmm. didn't have baseball for how long. Right. You know, from April, May and June and, and most of July, we didn't have any baseball. So people didn't have sports to watch. Like you said, that's why the ratings for baseball through the roof. People wanted to get a sports fix. I know personally, I've done more best ball drafts this year than I ever had probably in my life combined <laughs> up until this year, because I miss sports. I want a sports fix. So I'll get into a best ball league and just draft and it gives me something because there was no baseball, you know, and, and no football mini camps or anything like that. So yeah, our, our numbers for football are, are skyrocketing and, and we got drafts going on every day in the NFFC. It's, it's really been great. And now we obviously, you know, we say all this with the caveat of let's have a season. I'm thinking positively. So let's hopefully we get there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no small challenge to be sure. Football is not right. a socially distant sport, uh, and there's not going to be a bubble, which right. I, I I understand why. But at the same time, man, I'd feel so much better about it if there were. I, I yeah, I don't know how you can do it with football, right? I yeah. mean, you know, and I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not in a position to be able to really articulated in any intelligent way certainly what we've seen with the nba is it's been working in the nhl i don't follow hockey as closely but it seems to be working with what they're doing right um so 
I think there's no question that a bubble plan is probably the most optimum plan that you can implement at this time. But I don't know if you can even do that with the NFL. So it's going to be challenging. I, I just I, I just my hope is we're at a place countrywide, nationwide with this pandemic when we get to September that things are looking more positively and we can get through this. Right. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, hopefully we get some sort of vaccine that will help, obviously. Yeah, it's it's you know, and we're going to see a lot more. You know, we, we've just started to see some opt out, some positive tests. You know, we're all we're all having to track that. And that's no fun, but it is what it is. We have to do right. it. Uh, and, you know, you know, right now, the list of people that have opted out, you know, from a fantasy perspective, isn't huge. I think, you know, the Pats have obviously gotten hit the hardest. You know, six guys have opted out, including a couple starters, uh, yeah. a couple starters on defense and a starting offense alignment. Uh, so that's kind of a big deal. But uh, and then closer to home for you, Devin Funches has opted out. The one wide receiver the Packers signed this offseason sure. in free agency, he's opted out. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, uh, n- not to diminish uh, Mr. Funches, but from a talent perspective, that's no great loss. I mean, he he was he's not that good. Um, and the Packers wide receivers, other than Devonta Adams, are, to be honest, a joke. So there we are there. I think the Patriot situation is certainly from a fantasy perspective, the one that has at this time the highest impact, losing two really important players. We'll see how that how that, you know, impacts things. Obviously, New England, the first half of last season was, you know, incredible uh, from a fantasy perspective. Defensively, Um, they did taper off down the stretch, but still a good defense. I think you can survive some of these things. I mean, this is, after all, the team that won 10 games without Tom Brady one season. So, you know, we'll give Belichick the benefit of the doubt to figure this out. Um, But. From a fantasy perspective, I think so far we've dodged any major bullets. We'll see how this goes on forward. Just like in baseball, we we dodged major bullets with opt-outs. There were some players, some high, some higher higher name players that, that opted out, but nobody, I think, from a fantasy perspective, that would crush your team if you had drafted them. Right. Hurt, yes. Crush, no. I, I agree. Like the David Price one, uh, you know, he, he was someone taken in the first 10 rounds of, of a draft, uh, but that came at least before all the mains. So there is that. Uh, and they, these are coming earlier, too. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's mostly just a, uh, right now we're still in a matter of depth players and figuring out the, the chain. You know, from from a Packers standpoint, you know, f- we talked about this, you know, that they're, they're receiving court. Not good. Uh, no. That it it's. Huh. It's it's thin. I mean, it's Devonte Adams. Uh, you know, then a lot of hope. Um, you know, it's a lot of running backs. Your guy Aaron Jones. Uh, you are the premier Aaron Jones analyst in, in the fantasy community. Uh, but you know, it's it's like someone like Alan Lazard. Has he got a chance to emerge as a solid number two at least? Well, I mean, certainly there's there's little meaningful competition in his way. But let's remember a year ago at this time. You know, we were looking at what Marquez Valdez Scantling. He mm-hmm. was the fantasy darling because there was no meaningful competition for him. And what happened was lack of talent. You know, reared his head as right. so often will be the case. And here's what Alan Lazard. You put ten pounds on him, and he's probably Jermichael Finley. He could be a move tight end. The the forty times are almost identical for the two guys. 
which probably isn't a real good thing for Lazard at his current weight. I mean, <laughs> for, yeah, but you know, they're basically be the same guy, you know, assuming the 40 time didn't get, you know, dropped down considerably, but that's to me where Alan Lazard should be because this team does not have a tight end. They're horrible at that position too. I think if you told Alan Lazard in the offseason, go put 10 pounds of muscle on and, and you know, do whatever you can to keep what, what little speed you have, and we'll make you a move tight end. I think he could actually be an impact fantasy player at that position. As he is as the potential number two, I mean, it, you know, in, in a super deep league, if you want a sixth or seventh wide receiver, sure, what the heck, but... You know, in a in in a fab league like the NFFC with twenty man rosters like the Rotowire Online Championship, I mean, good luck if you're. I mean, if you're drafting him, you got to be prepared to cut him after week one or two. I mean, he just let be perfectly honest. He's not that good, and you take Devonte Adams away from this wide receiver core, and it's probably the worst in the NFL. And that's what happened last year for a few weeks, right? And that's when Aaron, and that's when they started using Aaron Jones in the passing game, which they should have been doing all along. And we saw how good he was. He was great. I mean, remember yeah. that Kansas City game? I he do. was fantastic. The problem was when Adams came back, then Lafleur didn't use him as consistently, which was, again, you follow me on Twitter, you know how baffled I am by this stuff. But that's what happened in in this offense, as it is currently. I, I, let me backtrack. Any offense that has Aaron Jones needs to use him in the passing game. You just have to do that because he's good there. Mm-hmm. But this offense with this roster construction absolutely positively needs to do it because he is your second best receiver after Devontae Adams. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So you're not a you're not a member of Sternberger Nation then, huh? Uh, from, I, I actually, I do have some shares in best ball because again, if you're looking for a tight end two or a tight end three, if you're, you know, depending on deep your best ball draft is what the heck, but am I expecting him to be a fantasy starter? No. I mean, the, I think the best case scenario is, you know, you need a bi-week replacement he, and he's got a good matchup. Maybe he can step in and help you or, or in best ball, you know, the occasional good week, you know, he gets plugged into your lineup with optimal scoring, but I, I would not put him down as a top 20 tight end right now in fantasy and certainly would not consider him a tight end two that I would want to have. I mean, if you're super waiting on the position, you know, okay, again, you know, if I got Travis Kelsey or, you know, uh, Kittle, I don't have a problem with Sternberger as my two because in theory, I'm only going to use him once. So right. there I'm okay with him as a two. Ideally, though, I think he's a three. Yeah, uh, I, I I tend to agree with you on that. How often do you play weight on the tight end? Are you, are you one that goes and gets Kittle or Kelsey, or are you do you wait? Uh, t- in a fab league, I wait. Now, in in like I said, I've been doing so many best ball leagues. I do have shares of of Kelsey and Kittle because I've changed things up and I've decided sure. I'm going to go get one of those guys just to have some shares. But if I'm doing strictly my fab leagues, I'm waiting on the position. And this year, I'm more comfortable doing that. Because I think there are some some real values. I mean, I look at Hunter Henry, Jared Cook, Gronk, who's really fallen uh, in our drafts in particular. I, I think you don't – as much as I, I think there's value with Zach Ertz, who I think is falling farther than he should. Uh, and, and I like Waller. I like Higby. But to me, I mean, looking at, at, at Higby, for example, instead of Higby, I can wait 18 picks and go get Hunter Henry. Or I can wait 32 picks, which – and I'm not great with math. That's almost three full rounds – and go get Jared Cook, 
who really came on in the second half of the season with Drew Brees. So I, you know, I like those earlier guys, but this year I kind of feel like there's, there's value. Hawkinson. I, I like the yeah, potential. I like him too. Yeah. I mean, in his, he's tight end 14 in the NFFC right now. So you can really wait. Yeah. So in a fab league, I'm definitely waiting. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I think a lot of this too is, this, you know, it, it's subject to where, you know, where you are in the draft, you know, 12 versus 14, I might not wait as much. Uh, just right. you know, the extra marginal one because someone might double up. You might get somebody like List, like you did in the 12, who thought Gronk was a value in the ninth and took his second tight end. That can happen too. And then, you, you know, you start losing another layer or two. What do you say on Gronk? I, I mean, I, I like him. I certainly, again, he's another target of mine because of the value, the potential value. I mean, he's tight end 11 right now in the NFFC. His ADP is right around 115. So I certainly don't have to pay a, a huge price for him. I can, you know, go get him as my tight end 11 if I want. I can go get Hawkinson or Godert or Fant, who I really like, uh, later as a backup. And, you know, there we go. Or even Blake Jarwin, who I like a lot. So as far as Gronk, I mean, certainly – it's it's there are questions we don't know how good he's going to be coming off a year layoff we do know he's healthier than he probably was the last time he played obviously he has rapport with Brady I'm not worried about the fact that there's a hundred tight ends on the roster I think Bruce Arians is going to use the one guy that Tom Brady wants him to use and that's Gronk so I think there's value there I certainly don't think he's an elite tight end anymore but the good news is you're not paying that price right so you're not you're not paying that first second round price that everybody was paying you know three four years ago yeah that's true uh and I always like looking like I'll I'll do like just for the uh, the Rotowire online championship do the ADP on that and in that case uh you know Gronk is tight end 10 he's pick 116 is the average pick yeah, uh, that that's fine. That's a fine price. Although Cooks won after him, I still like him. Uh, any of those tight ends? Like you know, there's a big debate on Twitter. I know on Tyler Higby, for instance. Yeah. You know, was is it because did he is that breakout for real? Uh, was it because the Rams had the three easiest tight end matchups? Uh, and you know, Everett was banged up. What do you what is what's your response to all that back and forth? I I think it's for real. Keep in mind, Everett was on played those last couple of games. He was there. And he barely got on the field because Higby was dominant. Here's the thing. I think the primary reason for Higby's emergence wasn't Gerald Everett missing time initially. It was they changed their offense. They went with 12 personnel heavy down the stretch. Mm -hmm. And that put Higby on the field more often. And what they did, what they then did was they gave Tyler Higby and in, in the 12 personnel, Cooper Cup wasn't on the field. Okay. Right. It was, I mean, Cooks was was dealing with his concussion, so it was primarily Woods and Reynolds. But Cook, Cup was not on the field. So what did they do? They went tight end heavy, but then they gave Higby all of the routes that Cooper Cup was getting the first, what, 10 weeks of the season when he was getting, like, double-digit targets a week. And Higby thrived. He got those targets. Cup didn't get them, and that's why Cup's production went down. Now, Cup was scoring touchdowns, which helped him – you know, salvage, but he certainly wasn't the target hog that he was, say, the first 10, 11, whatever it was, games of the season. Higby was running the Cooper Cup routes. I don't know why you change that if your plan is to go 12 personnel again. And I don't know why you change that when you were having success and you were settling Jared Goff down more down the stretch. Now, as a Cooper Cup guy, 
I wish they'd go three wide exclusively and play cup all the time because I think cup's great. But from McVeigh's point of view, especially with Gurley gone, they may say we need to keep Goff settled. The 12 personnel helps us do that. So when we have the 12 personnel and Cup's not on the field, who's running the Cooper Cup routes? Ain't going to be Josh Reynolds, right? right? Woods is running all his routes. He's getting a ton of targets just doing his thing. But who gets those Cooper Cup routes? Tyler Higby gets them. So, yes, I do like Higby. Um, Greg and I actually talked about him on, on our serious show last week. And I like Higby. But from a draft perspective, again, it gets back to, well, do I like him with his ADP at uh, right on 84 in the Roto Wire Online Championship, or do I, do I want Hunter Henry going 16 picks later? Right. I'd probably lean. I'd probably lean Hunter Henry, even with Tyrod Taylor there. So uh, the follow-up question, though, would have to be like, okay, so given all that you said about the formations and Cup and all that, you have to be fading Cup at his ADP oh, yeah. of, of wide receiver 13, thir- pick 34.95. Absolutely, and I've been saying this on Twitter since our draft started in February. Flip, flop, cup, and Robert Woods' ADPs. Now, Woods is gaining more, so people are kind of waking up to it, but he's still going half a round later than Cooper Cup right now. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're in the third, fourth round range there and you're looking for a wide receiver, now, again, there's a bunch of wide receivers going after Cup I like. Adam Thielen, Kelvin Ridley, Woods are all going McLaurin. Cat, so, Calf, Sutton. Yeah, yeah there are a bunch of them going after cup. So I feel as much as I love Cooper cup, I'll probably have little shares because of all the talent that's going in that range. But speaking primarily to the Ram situation, Robert Woods needs to be going in the third round of drafts. He just does. And he's not. And as long as he continues to go outside the top 36, he's a value. And if you're picking Cooper cup over Robert Woods, I'm just going to tell you right now, people, you are making an enormous mistake. I know Robert Woods didn't get touchdowns, but we all know those are fluky. The bottom line here is you want a guy getting all those targets, and that's Robert Woods. He is the number one receiver in this offense. There is no reason for Sean McVay to change that. None. And I expect that to happen again. I would go one step further and say that there's no reason. Yeah, I mean, I would take a lot of those guys over Cup. I'd probably take some of those guys over Woods, too, because I don't trust Jared Goff. No, I, I, I don't think he's that I agree good. With you. I mean, yeah, no, I agree. There, that's valid. I agree with you there. I'm a Bob Woods guy, so I'm a little okay. more biased towards him. Okay. But I agree with you. I mean, looking at some of the wide receivers going after him in the Roto World Online Championship right now, I absolutely take McLaurin. I mean, I'm, I'm all in. I love Scary Terry. Yeah, I'm all in on him. I, I love Ty, I'm a Tyler Lockett guy. So I very well would take Tyler Lockett over Woods, too. Although the thing is there, he's going a full round later. So I may be tempted to go Woods and then hope I can get Lockett, depending on where I'm picking and all that. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Metcalf, Keenan Allen, Cortland Sutton. These are all guys that I think legitimately you can take over Woods. But at McLaurin, without question, I'm doing it because I'm going all in on Terry this year. What do you think about the quarterback situation in Washington? It's obviously not great, but the caveat here is Haskins did get he looked better the more he played down the stretch last season. He was better at the end of the season than he was certainly in that first Giants game when he was completely lost, if you remember that. Uh, McLaurin didn't play in that game. So he was better. And I think that the coaching will help him. I think they will, in natural improvement, and having McLaurin, I think those things will help him. He's certainly not somebody you, you feel great about. I mean, if everybody felt great about Haskins, McLaurin would probably be going 20 picks earlier. 
because everybody would be in on it. That's kind of the reservation. That's what I think is holding people back from going all in on McLaurin. I'm going to do it because, frankly, the talent warrants it. And, and I've always said I'm going with the talent. I always will take the talent. I may not always win with it, you know, mm-hmm. but if, if I pick a highly talented player and for whatever reason he doesn't have a good season, I can live with that because it's not like I took a bum. I took a guy who's really good. You know, it's like the Julio Jones thing. If you draft Julio Jones and they don't throw him the ball in the end zone, it's not your fault. It's shame Julio on Jones them, not shame good. on you. Yep. Yeah, he's he's going to the Hall of Fame for crying out loud. So you made you made the talent call. Now it's up to the coaches and everything else to work it and everything has to fall into place. But that's, so from a talent perspective, I'm in. I'm that's the frustrating part about fantasy football. I love the game and I love football. But like for instance, fantasy baseball is less opportunity based. You, you, your players play. They do what they do. They don't have to be, okay, he's the goal line car- ball carrier. He gets the targets in the end zone. No. Y- you hit and you ca- and you pitch. That's what you do for the most yeah. part there. And, you know, of course, in field, of course, too, which gives, gives you the chances. But, you know, whereas football, it's, it's context dependent. We talked about the Rams and their formation. You talk about whether Julio Jones gets end zone targets. Talk about whether a guy gets goal line carries or not. Uh, and that's the sort of thing that wins and loses fantasy football leagues. And that's endlessly frustrating to me because you, that you're not, you know, and that's why I think it is smart to evaluate talent and let, let the chips fall where they may. But man, is it, 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 it can be, uh, making us pull our last remaining hairs out anytime uh, yeah. we see someone lose out on that valuable opportunity. Well, you, you spend a whole week preparing your roster, analyzing matchups, doing all this, doing all that. And then it comes down to 60 minutes of things that are completely out of your control. Whereas in fantasy baseball, Mike Trout can go over five on Monday. He's got the rest of the week to hit a bunch of homers and steal bases and do all the Mike Trout things. If, you know, you talk about, you know, Julio Jones, he gets into a game and he catches five balls for a hundred yards, but gets tackled at the one, three times. What are you going to do? Right. I mean that, and that's the frustrating thing, you know, because you do all of this and it just comes down to 60 minutes where everything is outside of your control. I remember the, remember the AJ green injury a couple of years ago. And I'm sure you do. You're a Bengals fan. Yes. And AJ green was dominant up until that point. I mean, he was a, he was winning fantasy leagues because he was a value pick. And then he gets hurt. Like what? A minute into the game. I still remember that day because I had A.J. Green probably in a bunch of leagues. The Packers were playing on Sunday night that night against Washington. Mm-hmm. I have no recollection of that game at all because eight hours later, I was still in shock at what happened with A.J. Green. Right. I mean, that and, and it's completely out of our control. And that's injury based. That can happen to anybody. But my point is 60 minutes outside of your control. And that's it. You know, there's no if, if it doesn't happen on Sunday, there's no Monday. You got to wait a whole week, you know, and that's that's the thing. But I love that about football. But it's also that's the part that, like you said, makes us tear what little hair we have left out exactly. of our head. Exactly. Uh, it got a follow up question, on AJ Green. But before that, got a quick note from our uh, sponsor, Dynasty Owner. If you're looking for a new challenge. You could be playing Dynasty fan, Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football season, this season. Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office. Dynasty Owner is the only way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries 
adding the strategy of running an NFL franchise. And Dynasty Owner provides a unique challenge for the diehard fantasy fan- football fanatics. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Leagues are forming now. That's DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. We've all been in a league where the winner just got lucky. If you're like me and you know, you know you're better than most, Dynasty Owner gives you the platform to prove it. If Dynasty Owner favors skilled players who can manage their roster using real NFL salaries within the salary cap and adds an entirely new level of strategy. Go to DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Validate your fantasy football skills. That's DynastyOwner.com slash RotoWire. Dynasty Owner, start your dynasty today. Uh, Tom, uh, A.J. Green did not agree to a long-term deal with the Bengals. Instead, he's playing under the franchise tag. This is, in other words, this is a big walk year for him. He he could yeah. still re-sign with the Bengals, but no guarantee. He's basically missed the last two seasons, all of last season, a good chunk of 2018 as well. Uh, you know, Bengals. I knew they shouldn't have started training camp on an Indian burial ground, but they did anyhow. <laughs> uh, this year, you know, it, it's tough to put a, a number on him. Uh, if you look at like you know on the Rotowire Online Championship, the NFFC. He's wide receiver 29, one spot above his teammate, Tyler Boyd. Uh, that's pick 67 and 68, essentially. Where do you fall? Is that where is that something you would take a chance? Is he someone you take a chance on at that price? Yeah, because the upside's enormous. Now, he's not going to be the great A.J. Green that we saw four or five years ago or the year I was talking about before when he was an elite wide receiver one the last time we saw him. I, you can't expect that. But you're, but he, like you said, he's wide receiver 28, 29. So you are drafting him as a wide receiver four. He, mm-hmm. If he's a wide receiver three, he exceeds your value. Okay. That's all he has to do, which I think he can do if he can just stay healthy for the majority of games this season. And assuming Joe Burrow is as advertised, and, and I believe that he is. So I'm in at that price. And again, looking at the wide receivers going in that range, you mentioned Boyd, and I, I'm a, I love Boyd as well. So if you want to take Boyd over Green, I'm not going to argue with you on that. But here are the other guys going in the general vicinity of A.J. Green right now. Stephon Diggs, Landry, Gallup, Will Fuller, Deontay Johnson, who is one of the biggest risers in the industry this right. drafting season. I am taking A.J. Green over all of those guys. Julian Edelman also is going about a, a round later. The only player in that list who has elite wide receiver one upside is Julian Edelman. Okay? It's A.J. Green and Julian Edelman. And two, those completely two different type of player, though, which is kind of funny. Exactly. Edelman is all volume-based with receptions. Um now, there's good wide receivers on that list. Stephon Diggs is very talented. Landry, 80-plus catches in every season of his career. There's guys here with merit, but none of them have the wide receiver one upside A.J. Green has. And I'm not saying I think he gets it, but of, of that group, who can who can get there? Who can get closest to that? In my opinion, it's a healthy A.J. Green, and it comes with risk. But again, I think the risk is baked into the ADP right now. You know, 67, 68 picks into the draft, wide receiver 28, 29. You're basically assuming the risk when you draft him there. Mm-hmm. So if he's your wide receiver four and it all goes to hell as it has seemingly the last year, year plus for A.J. Green, that's fine. Your wide receiver four is not going to destroy your fantasy season. Right. That's a good point. It possibly could win it for you, but it's not going to destroy it. Okay, you can go find a wide receiver four on the waiver wire 
if AJ Green is giving you zero, you can find a guy who can give you that, right? So that to me, it's all the risk is baked into the ADP. I'm absolutely taking that chance, assuming, you know, he's on the board. I will take him over all of the wide receivers that I listed going in the next round or so. I'm glad you brought that up the point too about, you know, that why, what, if he's your wide receiver four, you're looking for ceiling. You're not looking for floor. Uh, and you know, Chris and I have gone back and forth on you know AJ Green. He's not he's not in there at all at that price. I am. Although it's funny, I haven't actually acted on that yet. But plenty of drafts still to go. Yeah, no, I mean draft. How drafts unfold. You know, we we talk about David Price at the top of the show. That's a guy I wanted in every draft I was in this year. Because I thought there was tremendous value. I got him in none. I didn't get him anywhere. So we can identify guys that were like, yeah, I want to get that for that price. And then how a draft unfolds is how a draft unfolds. So I think we're in agreement. You know, we like the value, the potential value. We like the price. Now it's up to, well, how's the draft going to unfold? Maybe somebody jumps them around earlier. You never know. Right, right. Who are you willing to jump? At wide receiver or in general? Yeah, let's go wide receiver. Uh, well, I mentioned McLaurin. Um, yep. Uh, Tyler Lockett for sure. Uh, it's another guy I think Lockett's ADP right now in the Rotowire Wire is right around 55-ish. To me, that's ridiculous. He should not – I love DK Metcalf, but Tyler Lockett should not be going nine picks after Metcalf. He just shouldn't. So, he's their number one wide receiver. And, again, you're drafting him as – he's going as a wide receiver two or three in the Rotowire. Wire. I'm all in. I'll, t- I'll jump him for sure to – I mean, let's say – you know, I have to make a pick and I'm 15 or 14 picks to my next one and I want a wide receiver. I'm going to go lock it there. I'm going to jump him because I may not get him coming back. So he's a guy I'll absolutely jump at wide receiver going up a little earlier. It's hard to jump Kelvin Ridley right now because his ADP is soaring, but he's another guy who in earlier uh, best ball drafts, I've absolutely jumped because I've been in on him since the start. So, but the ADP is moving up so high now, it's kind of hard to jump him. But he is definitely a guy that I will go and get um, ahead of a number of wide receivers going early, ahead of him. So I'm actually on Team Metcalf over Lockett. Okay. Uh, there are a couple of reasons for that. One, I think target volume in year two picks up. Uh, it, was clo- it was already close as it was, 100 targets for Metcalf, uh, 110 for Lockett. I might be biased because of the way the season ended, you know, you know, the way he was like the dominant player in that Philly game in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think year two, you expect another a stride, you know, push forward to maybe that's part of it for me. We've got him projected for 131 targets this season. Uh, and maybe this is again, maybe where I'm listening to my colleague Chris List too much, but he, we've got uh, Lockett for 110. And I understand Lockett's steady, but there are games where he gets one to two targets. And that's just – i it's it, that's the thing about Lockett that scares me is that they just don't commit to him sometimes. Sometimes they don't. I agree with that. However, let me, let me counter a couple of things here. You mentioned the Philly game where Metcalf was fantastic. Lockett got eight targets in that game. Mm-hmm. It's not like they went all Metcalf and phase lock. Lockett got eight targets. And did have double-digit points in PPR. The following week against Green Bay, here you go. Nine receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown for Lockett. You know? Because yeah. defense, the Packers were like, we're not letting Metcalf do to us what he did to the Eagles. So that, And I, I said this on Twitter. I said, everybody playing, get Tyler Lockett in if you're doing DF, whatever you're doing. 
the Packers are going to overcommit to Metcalf and forget about Lockett. Plus, they can't cover Tyler Lockett to begin with. I mean, they can't. He's good. He's too quick for Alexander, for example. Right. So I, I thought that that was a great matchup anyway. But sure enough, one week after Metcalf went bonkers, Lockett went bonkers. So yeah. I agree with you. There may be a there's there's probably there may be volatility with both guys. But Russell Wilson loves Tyler Lockett. Just he does. Loves the guy. He does. And I, I think those things we don't talk enough about them because they're not we can't you know, really put that into some metric, statistical metric that we can use to measure. But trust in a player, it's why I'm not downgrading Zach Ertz in Philly. Carson Wentz isn't downgrading Zach Ertz in Philly. Right. He still loves Zach Ertz. And it's not that he doesn't love Dallas Goddard or anybody else, but there's a comfort zone here. And we can parlay that to Tampa with Brady and Gronk. There's a comfort zone. And Wilson and Lockett have that comfort. Wilson knows when he breaks the pocket, which obviously Russell Wilson does a lot, Lockett can adjust his route. He does that. It's one of the things that Randall Cobb did so well with Aaron Rodgers back in the day. When Rodgers would break pocket, one of the first guys he would look to, it wasn't Jordy Nelson he would often look to, it was Cobb, because Cobb did the best job on the team at breaking off his route and responding to what Rodgers was doing. And again, that's not I don't know if there's a there's any statistical metric for that, but you hear players talk about it, you hear coaches talk about it. It's a real thing. And but also Lockett's really good. He's oh, really, yeah. really good. He can run every route, he's got great hands, and he's dependable, and he can play him inside and in the slot, and he's terrific in the slot. So I, I but again, I'm a Tyler Lockett fanboy, and it's not an indictment of Metcalf, who I love as well but i am a locket fanboy i have been for a few years yeah and the problem is like in a perfect world uh, you know we'd see the targets target share for both of them pick up but right. this is this is this is a brian schottenheimer offense you know it's yeah. they want to run the ball so volume is really going to be a concern i mean and they they addressed a little bit of their uh, their potential defensive woes of the jamal adams trade they tried to stack up their defense a little bit more they they want to play a run heavy offense. They, that's right. still their ideal to play with the lead. What do you think about that trade, by the way? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I, I have long been a proponent of trading picks for proven players, especially proven superstars like Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. And and Schneider does this. Schneider is very much a Ron Wolf disciple. He's and that's not to say every move Schneider makes was going to work out. You know, Percy Harvin didn't work out. Maybe Jimmy Graham. I mean, we can debate that. There were some pluses, but whatever. But he's not going to back away from taking that shot. And that's what Ron Wolf would do. Ron Wolf didn't bat 1,000 during his tenure in Green Bay, but he batted enough that got him into the Hall of Fame and helped the Packers get to two Super Bowls and win one. Schneider's the same way. He's going to take his shot, and he also understands that draft capital is overrated. Yes, it's valuable, but— you're not getting a Jamal Adams at the end of the first round if you're the Seahawks. You're not finding that guy there. Not not somebody who can walk in today and beat Jamal Adams, right? Right. Not as a that, that guy's worth like yeah. a top five pick. You don't have that. And especially so, if you're in a win now mode. Right. Right. And that makes I, mean, I, I get that. And uh, right. you know, so it's it's a lot like the Steelers trading for Minka Fitzpatrick last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I the, the difference there. I mean. That that I think is going to work out because he's worth the first round pick they paid. But they weren't in a win now situation without Roethlisberger. But 
the talent is he's he's worth the price they paid. So sure. you can give up your first round pick because Fitzpatrick is that he's worth that. He's better than the player you were getting with that pick. Yeah, uh, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, what does that say, you know, going back to Jamal Adams, what does that say about the Jets and their their stance on Sam Darnold? Yeah. I know Adams is, you know, part of the issue is that Adams has been, was carping for a trade. He really wanted out. Um, right. So they were able to accommodate that. But, you know, this is, this is year three for Darnold. So, you know, you got it. You got him on your rookie contract. You expect to try to win this year. They improved their offensive line around him. Uh, I'm not sure about wide receiver if that's an improvement or not, but uh, with Perriman going in instead of Robbie Anderson, drafting Denzel Mims, what 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 are your thoughts on Darnold and the state of the Jets? I mean, I like him. Unfortunately, I think Adam Gase is terrible. Yeah. So that's what it all boils down to. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see the best of Darnold because I think he's being coached poorly. I mean, you know, that's the concern. I agree with you. I think their wide receiver overall is upgraded um, because Mims is is an improvement. I think it's a downgrade from Anderson to Perriman, but it's not a huge downgrade. So I think overall they're a little better. Obviously, they get, if they can get a healthy Chris Herndon, that helps them immensely. I mean, that's a huge, huge part that they can really help them because now they've got really three options in the middle of the field that they can utilize, Herndon, uh, uh, Crowell, and Le'Veon Bell in the passing game, and that will help Darnold. And then you can run Mims and Perriman on go routes and see how that works out. Right. You've got you got more levels in the passing game for Donald, but ultimately it's just going to boil down to, is he properly coached? And I'm, I have no faith in Adam Gase. So I think we're, we very well, very well may be a year, a year from now saying we still don't know enough about Donald because Gase has been such a terrible, you know, influence. Right. And you don't see too many people investing much in the Jets passing game. Uh, right. You know, Crowder, he's probably, Crowder. Got the, the, uh, I'm sorry. I say Crowell. I did. Crowell yeah, I think so. Crowell. But I was just going to roll with it. But uh, <laughs> Crowder was at his wide receiver 43. He's the highest Jets uh, wide receiver. Perriman is 53. Actually, that's not a bad price for Prashad Perriman. One, pick uh-huh. 127. If he is for real at all, I mean, you're looking at a ceiling guy here, right? right. No, yeah. At, at that pr- and again, at that price, there's no there's no downside because if he stinks. You you can find a waiver wire replacement easy. Wide receiver is the easiest position in fantasy football to replace. Now I'm not mm-hmm. talking about replacing Michael Thomas or Tyreek Hill, but if you're talking about replacing AJ Green or Brashad Perriman, that's the easiest position to find a guy who can get close to ten points a game, or certainly if you're playing the matchups right, right in PPR. So and there's just there's no downside to Brashad Perriman at that price. There's no downside to to Crowder at that price and he could be a PPR gold player. Yep. This is a guy, I mean, we all know what happened week one last season. I don't know how many targets he had, like fifty. It was insane. He, you know, he's not gonna get that. But he certainly can be a guy that Darnold leans on, especially if there's offensive line issues. But again, it comes down to proper coaching. I mean there was I forget what game it was when Darnold was was back last season after the injury. Uh, if it was a Thursday or a Monday night game, it was a primetime game. And the the game plan screamed for short intermediate passes because Darnold was under attack. The line right. couldn't protect him. The Pats game, right? And what was that? Was it the Pat the Pats game? Wasn't it? It may have. I honestly can't remember. 
But what I, re- I, I re- what I remember was he was. I think it was yes. It was the Patriots game because the Patriots had one of those early defensive touchdowns again. Right, and uh, uh, there was the whole. I, 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 you know, I'm seeing things sort of quote that. Yeah, because he yeah, was mic'd up. Right, which ghosts. I'm seeing ghosts. That's it. Right. Yeah, yep. That was the game. Yeah. And so that game plan screamed for for screens to Bell and shorter passes to Crowder. And Gase just kept dropping him back seven steps and getting him killed. That's the problem here. A good coach certainly at halftime walks in and goes, we got to stop these dropbacks if we're killing the kid. And Le'Veon Bell and Crowder should have had about 50 targets in that game. Instead, neither – I think Crowder caught his first pass like midway through the fourth quarter. I mean it was just – that's Adam Gase. That yep. that's the failure of coaching. That's not on darn old. Maybe some of it is, but certainly if you, the number one job of every head coach is to put your player, regardless of talent, in the best possible position to succeed, and Gase fails repeatedly to do that. Right, right. And we see it, and then we see him go succeed elsewhere. You know, and Kenyon Drake, uh, or or maybe not yeah. elsewhere after the or in his absence, as the case right. may be. Too. Tannehill. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Lev Bell, kind yeah. of a mediocre season last year, stayed healthy-ish, uh, got heavy usage but didn't do much with it. He's now running back 19. That's basically end of the third round in a 12-teamer, beginning of the fourth. Are you there for that, Tom? Uh, I'm not crazy about it. Like you said, the volume was fantastic. You're not. This is the thing, though. When people say touches, Numbers of touches. I mean, that's valuable, but touchdowns matter too, and also receptions. And for Le'Veon Bell to have, I'm looking at his stat sheet right now, to have, was it three games? Three games of under four targets in a game. That doesn't sound like a lot. He had a game against Dallas where he had one target. He's Le'Veon Bell, for crying out loud. Right. He had 15 total touches in that game against the Cowboys, scored a rushing touchdown. He had one target. Again, he's Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell every week should get five to six targets. Just rolling out of bed. That's who Le'Veon Bell is. If you're not going to use your players right, you're failing. And that's the concern. I mean, the offensive line was a problem. He also did not look like he had burst, and maybe that was a year off. So if we want to say that, maybe we can say, okay, now he's got his legs back, you know, whatever. But I worry about, I mean, the yards per carry, Jesus, it was dismal. I mean, one game over 4.1. Look at all those games under three, three and a half. That was just atrocious. That's what worries me. And the fact that they, I mean, at least last season, didn't use him properly, consistently in the passing game. So, again, now it comes down to, okay, who's going in that range at running back? If I am targeting running backs, David Johnson's going after him. I've talked a lot about David Johnson on Twitter. I hate the fit for him in Houston, but I'd probably take him over Bell. David Montgomery, I'll go Bell. I don't trust the Bears. DeAndre Swift, I absolutely take Swift. And I'll take Cam Akers, and I will take Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt was a freaking monster in the passing game when he came back last season. So those are kind of the guys going in the immediate area of Le'Veon Bell. So I probably won't be in on Bell because there are some guys I like. I mean, uh, Kareem Hunt's going 14 picks later. I'll absolutely wait and do that. Yeah. So you're not going to end up with Bell, basically. Uh, No, I mean, it's possible. I have no shares of him right now. 
Um, because my, my approach has typically been to go get two running backs in the first two rounds and then hit wide receivers. That's the other thing too. Right. I mean, right now, uh, looking at, uh, bell ADP right around 42, looking at the wide receivers whose ADPs are right around 42, mm-hmm. Robert Woods, DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin. It's, I mean, you know, I'm going wide receiver. Yeah. And, and where you draft obviously informs your draft strategy a little bit. If you're at five or six, all of a sudden, Michael Thomas is in that decision matrix for you there. I actually saw him go at three in my uh, Razbol draft today. We're, we just got started on that. I'm drafting from the five spot, and Thomas went three, so I got Zeke at five. Mm. I was not unhappy with that development. But when you're no. sitting at five or six, you have to make that decision. Do you want to take Michael Thomas, or do you want to push up Joe Mixon, or, do you, or, or, Calvin, or Dalvin Cook in many cases, or... or other wide receivers, you know, other running back, yeah. you know, those, those middle picks in the first round are which are, are the ones that kind of open the door for a wide receiver in the first round. Right. I, I got the fourth pick in my Razball draft, so I got Camara. I'm happy about that. To me, I never worried about the Delvin Cook holdout report because it just didn't, there was no logic to it. Right. There was nothing for him to be gained by doing it. So I didn't buy into it. And I said on Twitter, I said, do not drop him. And Greg and I talked about it on the serious show. Neither one of us were dropping him in the ADP, but he was falling in a lot of our drafts in the NFFC. So to me, with him reporting to camp and all that, he's locked into the top six for me. He's actually locked into the top five. He's my fifth player and Thomas is my sixth. So if Delvin Cook is there for me at six, it's, it takes about one second to click. So for the people that haven't really been locked in thinking about football this summer, explain why it's different this year, uh, why, why you weren't as worried about Cook or other holdouts, uh, because I, I don't think everybody's up to speed on what's going on with the collective bargain agreement. Well, yeah, I mean, that, the number one thing, or one of the top reasons is the cap is expected to go down. So that's why Dalvin Cook wants a contract now. It's why Derrick Henry wanted one. It's why Aaron Jones wants one from the Packers. These guys don't want to hit the market next year. Because they're, you know, the cap is coming down, and so there's not their opportunity to get that David Johnson contract, right? That big money or that Elliott right. contract, or certainly none of them are getting the McCaffrey contract. So they all want to get a contract now. That's number one. They don't want to hit. And then the other thing is, this could be the most unbelievable free agent year for running back talent. I don't know if we've ever seen a year like this potentially, assuming nobody else signs besides Henry. You got Kamara, Cook, uh, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Mixon. Kenyon Drake's back up after transition tag. There's a lot of talent at running back. I've never seen a year like this. But anyway, back to Cook. The other thing is, what recent holdout, other than Ezekiel Elliott, worked out for a running back? It didn't work out for Bell. It certainly didn't work out for Melvin Gordon last year, right? Right, that's the big one. That's the big one. So Delvin Cook... And whoever's representative is have to be looking at that going, okay, it doesn't make sense for us to do this. First of all, if the Vikings don't want to pay us, somebody will. We're not going to get we're going to get that monster contract. But our best course of action here is to play a full season, assuming he can stay healthy, which is the number one concern with Delvin Cook. But if he can play 14 to 16 games, if the Vikings want to keep him, which I think they should. They can do that. If they decide they don't want to do it, then he hits the market. Somebody's paying Dalvin Cook, okay? It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, he's not going to sit there waiting, you know, he's not going to be Devontae Freeman a year from now. He's going to have a job. So 
to me, that's the smart play. This, the, the, the ignorant play would be to hold out, miss time, then be Melvin Gordon and hit the market in, with depressed value. That makes no sense. Or Le'Veon Bell with depressed value. That makes no sense. So I never bought into it. To me, he never moved off my rankings. Right. And then the other reason, too, is like, you know, they restructured the CBA uh, so that it's far less advantageous for you to hold out. You lose all the service time. I mean, you don't get it. And I think that's the other thing. Uh, You know, one other note, you know, contract related note, Bosa, uh, Joey Bosa signed a massive extension with the Chargers. Now, defensive linemen, elite pass rushers, they have leverage that running backs don't have. He gets a five-year, $135 million contract extension. $102 million of that is guaranteed. That's uh-huh. massive, massive. No running backs ever getting that. And that, that it stinks for the top running backs. It's kind of the nature of f- football, though. That in the running backs' career spans are shorter. They're more interchangeable. Yeah. They have less leverage. A guy like Joey Bosa had more leverage. Yeah, I mean, I—, I, I understand the market i don't agree with it i don't agree with the devaluing of running backs i understand you can find what you yeah you can go find raheem mostert right but raheem mostert's not a healthy todd Gurley, assuming we're you know but he's not you know adrian peterson at his peak you get right. one of those he's not elvin Kamara, okay to use a he's not elvin cook for crying out loud you gotta elvin Kamara to me is the most interesting upcoming free agent running back yeah. because the Saints, they may decide we're rebuilding. If Breeze retires, they may just say we're just going to tear this whole thing down. We're not paying Camaro. We love you, but we're not paying you. So, but somebody's paying him. And if if I'm Alvin Kamara, I quite honestly say, yeah, that Christian McCaffrey contract, that should be mine, because I'm every bit as important to my team as McCaffrey is to his, and I don't have as much mileage on my tires because i've been in a timeshare and i've still right. been super important which should enhance my value but i i don't have that mileage i didn't have it in college i don't have it in the pros alvin Kamara is getting paid somebody's giving him a contract next year i don't know who it's going to be if it's going to be the saints i just hope but, he stays healthy this year that's right sure. yeah but i mean he to me he's the most interesting guy because as much as i love delvin cook he's got durability concerns I mean, he's right. not going to get near McCaffrey money because he hasn't proven he can stay healthy. As much as I love Aaron Jones, he's not getting that contract. Joe Mixon, love him. He's not getting that contract. Kamara could legitimately say, I want that contract. Yeah, I, I think you might be right about that. Now, he just has to stay healthy in his own right. right. He's had a couple of which things he, himself. Which he has. Last season, he didn't with the ankle. But he generally has been a healthy player in his career. Yeah, and he had that concussion in his rookie year, too, right at the worst possible time. Uh, uh, I remember that game because he had like 60 total yards in a series. Right. He was going to have a monster game. Yep. Yeah, he was blasted in the head. That was a Falcons game. I remember that. Don't don't bring that stuff up. Sorry, Tom. Sorry. Here, I'll (laughs) let you get over that for a second. I got to do another read. Take your league's fantasy football draft to the next level with FanDraft, the online fantasy football draft board. FanDraft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts by exporting the display via projector or onto a large screen TV for the league to enjoy. It can also be used fully online, and any number of your league owners can join the draft remotely. You can perform both traditional and auction-style drafts. FanDraft also supports IDPs, 
rookie-only drafts, keepers, and just about any customization to meet your league requirements. You can sign up for a free trial at Fandraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure to use promo code ROTOPOD15 to save 15% off your purchase. Again, that's Fandraft.com and use promo code ROTOPOD15, R-O-T-O-P-O-D-1-5 to save 15%. All right. Here with Tom, we're talking uh, all things about the, our draft season and all that. A um, couple other things I want to throw at you here, Tom. Yeah, we, we're just starting to see some COVID tests come in. Uh, you know, the earlier ones like Zeke Elliott. Did, have you seen? Have you seen Zeke get pushed down at all because of that test? What, what's your stance on anybody that tests positive? Are you moving them down your board at all? No, because there's so, there was so much time for Elliott. You know, mm-hmm. and again, he he was asymptomatic, so he was going to come back. So no, I didn't push him down at all. I actually, I do like Camaro more. So actually Elliot's fourth on my board. He's typically third in the NFFC. I do like Camaro more. I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm going for the gusto at Camaro this year. Okay. Um, but I have no, I mean, to me, it's a coin flip between the two of them. I just prefer Camaro. Um, so no, Elliot was not down my board because of the, so much time to get him healthy and to get him feeling better before whenever camp was to start. It really depends on on the situation. I mean, uh, to use a baseball, let, let's. I mean, a baseball one with Juan Soto. Okay, Juan Soto had the negative test. Right. And I was watching like the first main event draft that was held in baseball after that report came out. He dropped like fifty five picks, and that was a fifteen team league. So nearly four full rounds he dropped off his ADP in that draft. I was I was actually slacking with uh, Derek and, and Greg, and we were all like, there's no way we're letting him fall that far. I mean, especially there were reports coming out that he'd already had, like, two negative tests, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, we need the information. I, I think it's the wrong – my point here is it's wrong to just automatically go, oh, my God, I don't want that guy anymore. Right. I'm dropping him five, 50 picks or whatever. Let's get some information. I understand that sometimes a draft will occur, you know, and you got a decision to make. But again, this may be where the talent comes in, right? If it's a superstar like a Juan Soto in baseball or Elliott in football, I'm not going to let them fall too far because if this does blow over in a, in a positive manner, I'm getting that guy at a value price. It's a little bit like when Elliott was holding out a couple of years ago. And he was falling in drafts. Everybody that got him there got the value because it was only going to be a game or two before he became Zeke Elliott again. So you kind of bake that into your current ADP. If you're doing a draft, if you have obviously if you have time, you know, you just let the situation play itself out. But if you're drafting soon after, I would say don't panic. Don't just say, I don't want the guy. Oh, my God, I'm frightened. Get as much information as you can and then. Maybe drop them a little, but don't let them fall too far. Yeah. And I think the key is, though, is information. And we're just yeah. finding out, and this this is just breaking, Juan Soto is not returning until August 4th. He's been cleared by Major League Baseball, but because Washington, D.C. requires anyone who is exposed to COVID-19 to quarantine for 14 days, he's not allowed to play in any of the next two games against the Blue Jays. Uh, they're off this weekend because of the Miami. So the earliest he'll play is next week's series against the Mets. Uh, okay. So that's that's one thing you have to know. Little local nuances now, Tom. That's the right. problem with everything. But yeah, look so at Mike Mustakas. Okay. He he 
He he felt symptoms but never tested positive. Yet he still went on the IL. He's getting reinstated today. So, you know, it's it's crazy. So let me okay, let me turn this back on you. Okay, so let's say Soto comes back on August 4th, which is what? That's what? Monday or Tuesday? It is Tuesday. Um, Tuesday. Okay. So he will have missed a little over a week. Let's say a week and a half. Basically 10 game. days, a fortnight. 10 10 days. Now obviously the team won't have played as all of its scheduled games because of the Marlins situation. So that gets factored in. But let's say you're drafting now and you knew or you're drafting when when all this happened a couple of weeks ago. You know Juan Soto's going to miss 10 days out of a 60 game season and he is 10 to 12 on the ADP in that range. How far are you going to let him fall in a draft? Um that's a that's a, you know 10 games that's a 6 of the season. Uh Yes it is. But he's still there is replacement value. You get there is so you have to factor in whatever replacement you put in, but it's got to be obviously lesser value. Uh, I think he has to go probably third round for me. I would probably take him top twenty-five at that at the two-three turn if I was picking in that range. I mean, the ability to pair him with Acuna, Yelich, whoever. Obviously, Yelich hasn't been great so far. Pair him with Trout. You can both miss time. No, just kidding. Or, right. But here's, here's uh, okay, I'll use a football analogy of a couple of years ago. Julian Edelman was suspended for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was a massive value. I mean, I, I must have tweeted a hundred times, go get Julian Edelman, because this is ridiculous. I understand he's missing half a season, but you get him back in week eight, nine, whatever it was, you're getting a high upside wide receiver two in PPR for the second half of the season at that price. I thought he was falling two to three rounds at least further than he should because he had unquestioned upside at that point. And sure enough, that's what he was down the stretch. I'm not right all the time, but I was right about that one. So that's my point here is when you're talking about that kind of talent, yeah, Missing half the season, that's a problem. That's not good. But you're also baking that into your ADP. So if Juan Soto misses 10 games out of 60, let's say, and we know that two weeks ago when we're drafting, we can let's just say we know that as a fact. Right. I'm not letting him fall too far because I'll take the 50 games of Juan Soto over 60 games out of pretty much everybody going after him on offense. Right. I'll take that chance because that's the high-end superstar talent for 50 games. I'll take it. Same with Trout. I thought Trout fell too far. I know we're getting into baseball talk here, but that's okay. I, I just think that, I, again, it comes back to what I, we were talking about earlier with talent. I'm going to go with the talent, even if it's, you know, I'm not getting the full season, but I know that going in. I'll take that because 40, 50 games or in football, 8, 10, 12 games of a high-end player – that's huge because I'm not paying the high-end player cost. I think in your format in the NFFC, it makes a lot more sense, too, with football because you have the 20-man rosters. You can, right. you can afford a stash or two. Uh, it's funny. I think it's easier to do it in your football contest than it is your baseball contest. You know, seven-man yeah. benches, no ILs, uh, and, and 23 active spots. It's really hard to stash a guy, yet alone, let alone two or three because injuries happen. And you don't want to cut, you know, performers like people who have Justin Verlander are kind of waiting this one out. Maybe they're cutting him. Not too many people cut him from what I saw from Greg. Uh, and I think in football, yeah, okay, 
I've got, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm gonna. I, I have some upside guys. I'd like to kind of keep around, see if they they cash in. But I can afford to hold on to that suspended guy, that uh, the COVID guy for a couple of weeks there, a lot easier than I can in a league, say with like five bench spots. Right. No, I, I've I've. I can't play in the NFFC for obvious reasons, but we do play NFFC style contests, right? right? So I, I, no matter how good my team may be with 20 man, I, there's always a, I'm always looking on the waiver wire every week. Cause there's always a guy that I'm saying, I'll, I'll cut that guy. I may like him, but 20, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that it's, I, I agree with you in baseball, it gets tougher because of the DL or IL, whatever we're calling it these days. And now COVID obviously playing into all that. But I feel like in football, that seven man bench or seven spot bench, that gives you a tremendous amount of flexibility. I mean, and I, I make full use of that in my NFFC style leagues that I play in. That's good. That's good. I think that that's that's a good way to address that. So uh, I am. Uh, yeah, I, I it's, all this talk is getting me excited. I got We got to schedule a beat, Jeff Erickson. I know Liss yep. has already done one already. What do you think of his uh, his draft there? I, you know, his zero running back draft. I, I think I mean, you know, we all love Chris. Uh I, I, I think that it's very risky to do that. I understand that, you know, there's so many wide receivers and tight ends early. And if you want to go Mahomes, Jackson early, all that stuff, I get it. I, I, I understand the arguments that can be made for a zero running back. I think it's awfully difficult. It I, I, I I think that the beauty of fantasy football, just like fantasy baseball, basketball, is you can skin the cat in a million different ways. You can win doing any number of things. Okay. There's no Mm -hmm. one way to win. That's what's great about the industry and the games we all play. However, I think in football, the best, the the easiest path to success is to get at least one really good running back early and ideally two. It doesn't guarantee you're going to have a great year. doesn't guarantee you're going to win a lot of money or any money at all. But I do think it's the clearest, cleanest path to success, especially this year with the incredible amount of wide receiver depth and talent. I mean, you can get into round six, seven, eight, and there's good wide receiver, wide receivers that may be your fifth that you would be starting every week. Okay, that's what I especially this year. And like you, you know, you talked about earlier, draft spot dictates a lot, obviously. Right. But. Ideally, without knowing where I'm drafting, my my plan, my optimum plan, and I've I've dubbed this the Kesnick method on Twitter, is two running backs, and then I hit wide receivers hard. I think Three. that's the most common plan too. I will say this because because I because I invented it, Jeff. Of course, of course, you did. Yeah. No one's ever thought of that before. And well, I, 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 it's it's brave of you to you know forge a path for others to follow, and we do appreciate I, I, your hey, service. I, I, I am I am a man of the people, Jeff. You are. If nothing else, you are that. I will say this uh, with with Gliss, uh In previous years, people were doing wide receiver heavy plans, and this is I I almost never see people do this. You know I you know it, he he was I think he was alone in his draft in doing that, and you know you get at most two people that do that. Back when three or four people were doing that, it takes the value out of doing that. So. Yeah. This is he's far better off in this instance because of that. I you know I I've tried and again you know getting back to how many best ball leagues I've played I have tried that I have tried 
a strategy where I passed on running backs in the first round that I really liked to take Thomas or, or Adams, and then I would come back with Hill or Julio or God, whatever, right? And then I'd hammer away at wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And it always got to like round four and five, and I'm looking at the running backs going, why the heck did I do this? Because there's nothing at running back I like, and there's about 20 wide receivers that I love. And so, again, maybe, you know, we don't know how this is all going to play out, and maybe, you know, all the Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill owner is going to be here at the end of the year going, look at us, look at how smart we were when you guys right. were drafting running backs, you know? Right. right. That's the beauty of the game. That's what makes it fun. But as we sit here today with the information that we have today, and that's all we can do when we draft is draft with the best information we have at that poss- at that time of your draft. That's all we can do. As we sit here today, looking at ADP and how drafts unfold are unfolding right now, it is very difficult for me to, to say I'm going to leave the first two rounds without at least one running back that I like. I just feel like I'm setting myself up for trouble. That's right. I think, I think, I think you're right, and that's why I haven't been doing the zero running back myself, but – I, I I see the logic behind it. It's hard to execute it, though. It's very hard yeah. to execute it. Uh, we're going to close on that note. I uh, want to thank our sponsors, Dynasty Owner and FanDraft and Dynasty Owner for sponsoring all of our uh, podcasts this month. Uh, Tom, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your vacation to talk some football with me. My pleasure. I had a great time, Jeff. Uh, anytime you need me, just uh, shoot me an email and uh, I'll be happy to jump on. Awesome. We'll do it as always. Uh, thank you again for listening to RotoWire. We are going to be uh, cranking out the podcast, football podcast, five days a week now. So coming up tomorrow, our usual Thursday spot, John McKechnie and Mario Puig. So tune in for that. Thanks again for listening to RotoWire. Have a great day.